Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, good morning. It is such a pleasure to be with you this morning and to be continuing our series on God Unmute, engaging the silence of unanswered prayer. And if you've been tracking with us for a while, you will know that we've been exploring in this series some of the more challenging questions that we face. Where is God when it all seems to go wrong around me? What do I do when my prayer life feels like I'm hitting up against a brick wall? And this has been our Lent journey as a church together. And next week, of course, it is Easter and Lent will come to an end. But before we arrive at that moment, today we're going to be thinking about the day that happens in between the two most important days in history. Jesus died on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday and in between there is a full day of silence. This day is known as Holy Saturday. And it's an easy day to miss in so many ways, isn't it? Because, you know, either side of it, we've got the crucifixion, right? The death of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for our sins. And then on Sunday, we have the resurrection, the glory of this moment when Jesus rises from the dead and beats death forever. But in between is a full day's silence. And in many ways, our lives often find us in this Holy Saturday, right? Somewhere between the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, but not yet seeing the fulfillment. Praying and seeking, and yet finding that heaven often seems to have gone silent. There's this verse in Lamentations that says this, You have covered yourself with a cloud, so that no prayer can get through. I love the honesty of that imagery and that prayer from the writer of Lamentations. God has wrapped himself in a cloud. And I wonder if you've ever felt that way when you're praying. Like no prayer, no prayer can get through. Our two-year-old daughter, Thea, and her daddy love to look up at the clouds and look for shapes and images that they can see in the clouds. And recently, here in Surrey, we were having a very rare sunny day. And Adam said, Thea, can you see any clouds up there? And looking up at this sunny sky, she said, mm, no, I can't see any. And he said, where do you think they've gone? And she said, mm, maybe behind that big blue thing. <laughs> like, this child has been in winter for so long that she doesn't even have language for a blue sky or a cloudless sky. And maybe in your soul, you have been in winter for a long time now. Maybe you can't even remember what it felt like for your prayers to have traction, when the answers felt like they were in sight. And of course, with the pandemic that we're in, we've all experienced to varying degrees a winter season. The silent Saturday before hope and fulfillment arrives. But when we're in these seasons, it's really important that we remember a few things. 
And the first is this. It's okay to be honest and express our pain and questions to God. And Daniel Grothy spoke on this so powerfully last week, the power and importance of lament. And secondly, God's silence is not the same as his absence. And Isway spoke so beautifully on this a couple of weeks ago. The Bible leaves us in no doubt of this fact, that God has never left us and never will. Deuteronomy tells us God will not leave us or forsake us. Jesus promises, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Paul reassures us that nothing can separate us. Romans 8 verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's important to grasp that promise so we can feel its power. God's silence is never his absence. However silent your holy Saturday may feel, God's silence will never be his absence. And thirdly, when the world is suffering, God is suffering too with the world. We are not alone in our suffering. The most profound expression of this suffering with, this calm passion to suffer with, is God's passion his suffering for. God is not an apathetic being who stands off at a distance. God is pathetic in the original sense of that word as one who suffers. That's why the suffering of Christ on the cross is so crucial to our experience of suffering because in a broken world where we experience great trials, we don't have a God who stands off at a distance. We have a suffering God, one who's with us in our suffering. The book Silence by Shushaku Endu explores this theme and it's a deeply moving and disturbing book written about the persecution of Christians in 17th century Japan. And after so much suffering and persecution, the central character, this Jesuit priest, is arguing with God about his ordeal. And he says this to him, Lord, I resented your silence. To which Christ replied, I was not silent. I suffered beside you. The broken Christ is the one who suffers alongside and heals the broken world. But finally, and most crucially, when we find ourselves in these Easter Saturday moments, these Holy Saturday moments, we trust that Sunday is coming. Our experience of Holy Saturday is really different because we know what happens on Sunday. We know that Jesus rises from the dead, beating death for eternity and beginning the process of the salvation of the world, which starts on Easter and will culminate in his return in the promise of our eternity with him and when he will dry every tear from our eyes. Pete says this in God on Mute. Living as we do with the hindsight of Easter Sunday, We can endure our holy Saturdays with optimism and hope. God may be silent, 
but we know that he will speak soon. Many of our prayers may go unanswered, but not for long. We have reason to believe in the resurrection awaiting us on Sunday. And so that means that we can look back at Friday with gratitude and forward with hope. And hope does not disappoint, Romans 5, 5. But the tension, of course, is that we don't know the timeline. When Jesus rose again on Easter Sunday, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. In other words, he began to change the world. He set this process in place so that it would operate under the rule and reign of God, beginning to usher in the reality of the new heavens and earth that would one day come. And as his disciples, we get called and commissioned and empowered to live in such a way that we continue to usher in this kingdom. But this is a process that is gradually unfolding. Sometimes theologians call this idea the already not yet. It is here and it is still to come. I've seen miraculous healing stories and I've seen the opposite. I've seen God intervene immediately and I've seen him take his time. And in some instances, it's clear it will only happen when Jesus returns. The timeline is uncertain, but Sunday is not. Resurrection, restoration, the end of death, the end of suffering, the answer to every prayer. The timeline may be uncertain, but Sunday is not. Which means that when we're facing these questions on our holy Saturdays and asking for God's intervention, there are only two possibilities. Sunday has come or it is coming. A lot of you will know that 2020 was a really challenging year for myself and Adam and Thea, not just with the pandemic, but with my health. And we went through this season where I was really severely ill um, with pneumonia and spent a week in hospital, which was agony because Thea was still breastfeeding at the time and just trying to deal with the trauma of suddenly not being with her mum, who she'd never gone a day without before, suddenly absent, painfully absent. But then I got home and was supposed to get better, but didn't. And we were getting increasingly concerned about that. And in the meantime, Rich and Peter were working on Emmaus Road Worship and looking to release the song River of Life, which I'm sure lots of you will have heard. And they'd wanted me to share this word at the very end of the song about Ezekiel's river, his vision of the river of life. And they had patiently waited for me for ages whilst I was ill because, of course, I was coughing constantly and couldn't, um, couldn't get the recording. So it was this moment of like, should we just go ahead and release the song without it? And we all felt actually we should have it in there. And so we thought, let's just book it and try it and hope for the best. And so we booked a time for me to go and record it with the wonderful Willie Weeks. But it so happened that that morning that I was due to record, I had a doctor's appointment where they listened to my lungs to try and work out what was going on. And they confirmed for the first time that there was something deeper, some much more serious damage to my lungs. That this was something that wouldn't go away, but was something I would have to learn to live with. So 
I drove literally from this appointment to Willie Weeks' house because we were booked to do this recording and we'd, um, we needed to do it and miraculously we managed to do a whole take without me coughing and I drove home to process the morning with Adam. And here's the thing, if you're sitting outside Willie Weeks' house about to record this word, this, this vision which is all about the river of life bringing healing and freedom and restoration and life to everything it touches, had that diagnosis changed the truth of what I was about to proclaim? How do you say that? How do you speak a word like that when it's still Saturday? Right? When you're still, when someone's just spoken damage in your body, when you're still struggling to speak. But the reason that we can do that is because we know that Sunday is coming. The resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom breaking out, the river of life relentlessly pursues the resurrection places, the broken places. We know that Sunday is on the way. And I know that particular story is so minor compared to what so many are facing, suffering and experiencing right now. But whatever the circumstance, the gospel truth is that Sunday has come or it is coming. God would heal my lungs right there or he was going to. We can pray and hope and have faith on Saturday because we don't know the timeline, but we do know that Sunday is on the way. And I think speaking those truths out in the midst of our Saturdays is so crucial and so important because worship draws us back in to hope and reminds us who we are and who God is. I think of the amazing story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They get thrown into prison for their faith in Jesus. And in the silence and suffering of a jail cell, a holy Saturday if ever there was one, they begin to fill that silence with worship. Because they know that the story didn't end on Saturday. What would it look like for us to fill our holy Saturdays with worship? Begin to proclaim it, even in the midst of our trials, that he is present, that he has not abandoned us, that he never will leave us, that Sunday is coming, that resurrection is coming, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're created for a destiny, that he sees you and knows you, that the physical pain in your body will one day be stopped by the power of God because of what Jesus won on the cross, because Sunday is coming and the river of life relentlessly pursues the resurrection places. We don't know the timeline and we often find ourselves in the tension of Saturday but in the midst of whatever pain we are facing we have a God who's right there with us in the dirt on his hands and knees with us. A God that suffered a God who's going to restore you, a God who loves you and is with you. This is the truth. And this truth sets us free to worship even when we don't know the timeline because we can trust Sunday is coming. Do you know, we see this very response in Jesus, even as he was being crucified. Jesus famously cried out from the cross the line, My God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. Now this looks from the outside like the ultimate expression of a faith crisis. Someone overwhelmed with despair. But those famous words are not without context. Jesus is actually in that moment reciting from Psalm 22. Now he would have learned the Torah, the Jewish scripture, off by heart, as would so many in the crowd who were watching this historic moment. So when Jesus says those words, everyone who knows the psalm knows what comes next. Because that psalm is not only a cry of despair, it is also a battle cry of hope, worship in the midst of suffering. And it's also a prophecy depicting exactly how Jesus would die right down to the very intricate details of that day. Jesus was not only in despair, he was also worshipping and he was showing all those who would see this death that this was not a mistake, right? But that this was the perfect fulfilment of the messianic mission. I'm going to read it for us now, Psalm 22, and it is too long to read the whole thing. So I'm just going to pull some, some bits through. But if you can follow along in your own Bible, you can kind of track with me. Um, Psalm 22, I think the words are going to come up for you to see. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My tongue is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You might remember Jesus talks about being thirsty. They pierce my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. It is recorded that the soldiers did exactly that. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Or in other words, it is finished. Even from the cross, Jesus reminds us, that Sunday is coming, that the last word is not suffering, but hope. 
a hope to be sure that does not sever itself from suffering in and for the world. For that would cease to be Christian hope. True hope in the midst is hope in the midst of adversity and yet anchored in God's coming kingdom. South African theologian David Bosch says this, God's final triumph is already casting its rays into our present world. However opaque these rays may be and however much they may be contradicted by the empirical reality of adversity and suffering, Caught for the time being in this inescapable tension, oscillating between agony and joy, we nevertheless trust that God's victory is certain, and on this we wager our mission and our future. And so finally, what what can we do when we find ourselves in these challenging seasons and we're still waiting for our prayers to be answered? think that we can cultivate habits which help us to not just come through these seasons but to allow these seasons to mature and deepen our faith in God right in the midst of it. And there's a few suggestions that I'm going to offer here but there are so many habits and, um, and spiritual disciplines and practices that we can put in place that will help us through these challenging seasons. And the first is remember. One really powerful thing that we can do when it feels like Saturday is we can look back. When have we felt God's presence tangibly in our lives in the past? When has he answered our prayers? Has he spoken maybe prophetic words over your life that you could go back and revisit? Dig them up out of an old journal or an old voice recording. Look back and remember. And second, read immerse ourselves in the scripture in God's written word the bible it is described as living and active now that can sound that's kind of a phrase that we throw around in church it can sound a bit jargony and maybe you've heard it so many times it doesn't even feel like it means anything but just pause for a moment this word is described as living and active so when you open up a bible and you're longing to hear from God, you have a source in scripture which is not just a library or a history of God, it is alive in some way, active in some way, speaking in some way to you. So you have the opportunity to to hear and receive, memorize it, allow it to become part of the fabric of who you are. So we remember, and we read, and then third, reconnect with friends or family who have faith and who can strengthen us in these times. You know the people in your life that just being around them, it reminds you of who you are in God. It reminds you of what it is to walk with faith. The 19th century rabbi Menachem Mendel says this, human beings are God's language. God speaks to us through people and he'll often bring us comfort this way. This um, university in Wisconsin, this University of Wisconsin Center for the Study of Pain conducted an experiment to see how long volunteers could keep their feet in buckets of icy freezing water. And they discovered something fascinating. 
Whenever a companion was allowed in the room with the person whose feet were being frozen, they could endure the cold for twice as long than if they were alone. It's not fascinating. And the same is undoubtedly true of emotional pain. And I think that's been one of the most challenging aspects of this pandemic, hasn't it? That we can't be around in person with those people that help stir us on and bring us comfort. But is there someone that you could have a slightly longer phone call with today? Or from tomorrow, go on a walk with? Who could you reconnect with that might just remind you a little bit of that faith? And these simple habits, they can be really fruitful in helping us to process the tension and the challenge of our holy Saturdays as we remember, read and reconnect to remind our hearts that Sunday is coming. In just a moment, we're going to have a little space for reflection. There's going to be some questions that you can process on your own. But right now, I would love to pray. Um, and if this is something that you feel maybe you're in a holy Saturday yourself right now, maybe you're facing what feels like silence, maybe it feels like God has wrapped himself in that cloud, I'd love to take a moment and pray for you. And if you'd like, feel free to hold out your hands to receive this prayer. And so, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the truth of your word that you have not left us and never will. God, we thank you that even in the silence, there is not absence, but rather your beautiful presence wrapping around us. God, I pray right now for everyone who feels that tension of a holy Saturday moment where they feel somewhere between dear God and amen, between asking but not yet receiving. Lord, I want to pray that you would speak hope and faith into these people. God, would you remind them that Sunday is coming. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in the promises of your scripture. And I pray that you would make your presence felt with everyone today who feels the silence of Saturday. Lord, would you help them to feel and see and know your presence with them, I pray. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your suffering, we are not alone in our suffering. God, we thank you for all that you did for us in the cross. We love you, Jesus. Amen.